Coming up, Habermas and democracy. Who is Jürgen Habermas, one of the most influential philosophers in the world? Habermas has done groundbreaking philosophical work in social political theory. Rational discourse is the foundation of democracy. We are more divided than ever as a nation. Both sides are terrified of the other side. And I think that's why the voting booth has a curtain, so you have some place to hide after the election's over. You think rational communication's easy? You think rational communication's natural? How is rational communication even possible? How do the system and the life world interact to shape political consciousness? What is the life world? What is the system? Our guest is Matthew Spector, author of Habermas, an intellectual biography. Habermas and Democracy, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Thanks for listening to this episode of Philosophy Talk. Want to think deep this holiday season? Become a subscriber and get access to 500 hours of philosophizing anytime, anywhere. Or help your friends and family think deep by getting them a gift subscription. Or help them look like deep thinkers by getting them cool Philosophy Talk swag from our online shop. More information at our website, philosophytalk.org. And now, on with the show. Is rational argument the key to true democracy? Can we design a public sphere in which reason can win out over power and propaganda? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ray Briggs, sitting in for John Perry, who's taking a well-deserved break. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on Stanford campus, where Ken and I teach philosophy. And today, we're asking about the philosopher Jürgen Habermas and his stirring vision of democracy. Habermas is famous for thinking that genuine democracy is grounded in the principles of communicative rationality. Communicative rationality, Ray, that sounds like a mouthful. It sounds like a philosophy seminar, you know, with people sitting around calmly arguing back and forth. Everybody just searching for the truth. No ego, no power dynamics, no gender bias. Look, it's more complicated than that, even in the philosophy seminar. But there's something to the analogy. Okay, so enlighten me. What is there to this analogy? Well, first let's think about the nature of communication, and then maybe we can see what that has to do with democracy. So let's start with the norms governing rational discourse. I I like to think about that. Philosophers talk about the norm, say, of saying only things that you have good reason to believe. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like that's a pretty basic one. And Habermas would say that if you violate it, you're not really engaging in rational communicative action at all. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Not so fast. That seems too quick. I mean, suppose I'm a shyster. I'm... God, trying to get you to believe some BS. I mean, that may make me a crook, but does it make me irrational? Does it mean I'm not even communicating with you? That's what Habermas seems to suggest. Well, if you are communicating, you're doing it dishonestly and manipulatively. Okay, yeah, that's bad, I grant you, but is it irrational? Well, the shyster may be perfectly rational in one sense, but not rational in another more important sense, like at least not according to Habermas. Uh, I'm not sure I, I, I get this. What are, you, what are you getting at? So Habermas is distinguishing between instrumental rationality and communicative rationality. And instrumental rationality is just about adjusting means to ends. So you want to achieve some goal, and you believe that doing such and such would be an effective means to that goal. And if you're right, that would make it instrumentally rational. 
to adopt those means. Okay, but even a dishonest and manipulative shyster can be rational in that sense, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so what are you saying? That instrumental rationality is like a bad thing or no, something? No, it's a really important thing. It's just not the be-all and end-all of rationality. And it's certainly not enough to ground democracy. Well, so wait a minute. This is where this highfalutin communicative rationality is supposed to come in, right? Yeah, yeah. Think more about how real conversations work. Not sham conversations with snake oil merchants, but real conversations among people, all of whom are trying to get at the truth. Oh, I know what you mean. You mean like here on Philosophy Talk, right? Sure. Yeah, that's one example. Conversations that aim at the truth have their own internal dynamics. So when you make an assertion in that context, not only do you represent what you say is true, but you're going to hold yourself responsible for defending what you say if challenged. Uh, defending? That sounds a little combative or something. No, not by the force of arms, by the force of the better reason. Where better means what exactly? More conducive to truth. A truth is measured by whose lights exactly? By our collective lights. Oh, but what happens when we disagree, Ray? Well, we'll just keep talking until we work it out. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I get it. And, and I guess I see why Habermas wouldn't count snake oil merchants as communicatively rational. I mean, I guess he'd say they parade as communicatively rational, but that's just a sham, right? Yeah, exactly. Because snake oil merchants aren't committed to the truth, and they're not committed to defending their views with valid arguments, and they're not content with the force of the better reason. Okay, look, look, I'm going to grant you that this communicative rationality thing of Habermas's, it sounds really cool and all. But seriously, what's it got to do with democracy? Well, for Habermas, democracy is actually this sprawling conversation where all the citizens in the conversation are equal participants, and they're all committed to not the force of arms or the power of propaganda, but to the force of the better reason. Oh, come on. This is just a fantasy. In the real world... A power does the talking, not reason. Habermas is fully aware of the many ways in which power distorts communication, but to him that means we have work to do so that we can define a public sphere where reason rather than power does the talking. Only then can genuine democracy thrive. Oh, God. Good luck with that one. Oh, come on, Ken. It can be done. And to help us think about how, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to examine some real-world attempts to make rational communication a reality. She files this report. Jürgen Habermas may dream in democracy, but let's keep it real. Americans don't particularly have much faith in the democratic system right now, at least according to some polls, which people don't trust all that much anymore either. Propaganda got a new name this past election cycle. It's now clear that so-called fake news can have real-world consequences. He told officers he was there to investigate a fake news conspiracy that put the pizza restaurant at the center of a child sex abuse ring run by Hillary Clinton. Can I'm you, not going to give you a can question. You can you stay categorical? You are fake news. Most people, most of the time, are not thinking about public policy issues in any depth, because why should they? Stanford professor James Fishkin, a democracy expert, says the public has long been easy to manipulate. They have their lives to lead. They are subject to what some social scientists have called rational ignorance. If I've got one vote in millions, why should I pay a lot of attention? That's why, nearly 30 years ago, Fishkin decided to play around with democracy. He wanted to know, how would people's opinions change if they deliberated with strangers, consulted experts, and actually thought about issues that mattered? With this idea in mind, he came up with a method he called deliberative polling. A deliberative poll is a poll of a population before and after it has had a chance 
to really think about an issue under good conditions. In these experiments, Fishkin summons hundreds of people from the general population to see if they want to discuss important policy issues together. He held one deliberative polling session in California called What's Next California. Join us with uh, What's Next California. Join us with What's Next California. What is next? More than 400 Californians gathered in Los Angeles County to discuss statewide issues. And Fishkin says turnout rates for his sessions are surprisingly high because people feel like their opinions actually matter. I came because I was lucky enough to be called. I'm glad to see young people out here. In the session, participants broke into small groups to discuss issues facing the state. Moderators are there to make sure no one dominates the conversation. One topic that proves superheated, raising taxes. The real con argument to this, uh, from what I understand, is that it doesn't cover all of the state spending. It only covers new spending. No, it just doesn't address the existing spending. It's just a fresh start. It's just, yeah. I mean, that's right. a separate issue. I want them to pay the same damn tax I'm paying. And that's it. Bam. Done. I'm done. When deliberations in the sessions wrap up, Fishkin gives the participants another survey to see how their opinions change from start to finish. Often, he says, opinions do change. People are more empathetic than you might think. The more advantaged sometimes have more to learn from the less advantaged. Well, one of the groups I was listening to, this guy was a car thief. I mean, he said he was a, a reformed car thief, but you know, he was a car thief. And he had a lot to say about why people commit crimes. Many people also leave the deliberation room more interested in learning about the world. Once, a woman stopped and thanked Fishkin for making her husband think harder about political issues. She said she wanted to thank me because in 30 years of marriage, her husband had never read a newspaper. But from the moment he was invited to come to this, he started to read newspapers every day. And he was going to be much more interesting to live with in retirement, which to me showed that we had created incentives to overcome rational ignorance. So far, Fishkin has tried deliberative polling over 70 times in more than 24 countries. Thanks to Fishkin's help, Mongolia recently passed a law requiring the polling before the government makes any amendments to the Constitution. So, the Mongolian government wants to know how well-informed people feel. But, Fishkin says, in the polarized United States, politicians are more concerned with their side winning. Which raises a key question behind our own democratic experiment. Do we want a democracy when the people are thinking or when they're not? We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. Perhaps we should all make like Habermas and start deliberating on that one. Hmm. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.